Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Rice Lake Hard Cider produces small batch artisan beverages from their brewery located in Baltimore. It is always tough starting a business. But as you'll hear in this special report from Mark Cowan, Jenna Crawford and her husband Graham Smith faced an unexpected hurdle when the global pandemic hit in March 2020. Tenacity, creativity, and a bit of luck has brought them to a point where they are growing their fledgling business and realizing their dream. Here is Mark Cowan with the story. Today we're going to focus on Rice Lake Hard Cider, and I have on the phone with me Jenna Crawford. Hello, Jenna. So Rice Lake Hard Cider, tell me about the evolution of this product. Where did the idea come from? How did you get this started? And whereabouts are you guys located? So my background is actually uh, marketing and merchandising. And I met my partner, Graham Smith. You know, we own the business together uh, just about uh, maybe eight years ago now. And as I met him, he was actually in the process of opening a brewery. And beer was not something I had ever acquired a taste for. Tried as I might, tried many beers, found a few fruit beers that... um, Eventually, I enjoyed and, you know, came, came to like a couple of his beers, but beer was still never really my thing. Tried to encourage him to, to make a fruit beer out of his brewery, but he was more set in his traditional German and Belgian styles. And, and you know, according to those rules, there's no fruit in beer. Uh, but we compromised and we started uh, fermenting cider at home as a side project for me to uh, kind of see, you know, what, what I could make of it and, and where we could take it. And uh, I fell in love with it. Cider is, is apples fermented into hard cider, just um, very similar to how grapes are fermented into wine. You can add different fruits, so we played around with you know some different additions, different fermentation processes, and then a few years after that of you know trying different recipes and perfecting, and we're actually looking at opening a small brewery and cidery. The, the area of Rice Lake is, is near and dear to us. I've had a seasonal spot on Rice Lake up in the North Shore now for about 16 years, and then ironically, Graham, it turns out, the first time I brought him up to, to check the place out. He looks straight across the bay and, and points at a cottage and said, that cottage over there, the white one, I grew up water skiing on the same bay out of that cottage. No way. So we've definitely, it, it was pretty phenomenal. He went back to some doing some of his engineering work. He travels the world. He's a geotechnical engineer. And so he was doing that. And, and that's really how we ended up starting the cider first, because it was going to be beer first. But When did the cider operation begin? This is something that you were trying at home and mm-hmm. you decided that this is something you wanted to pursue on a larger scale. When did that start? Yeah, so Probably 2017, we started seriously considering it. I took a cider maker's course at Brock University. It was the first time it was offered in Canada. It's the um, Cider Institute of North America offers a, a week-long intensive program. I'm sorry, um, the Cider Institute of North America? Yes. What does the Cider Institute of North America do? It's an educational program. They've got layers of courses. I took the first main course for, for an intensive week at, at Brock University. Kind of gives you, it sets you up with the basic science behind fermentation, some of the basics around starting a cidery. At that point, again, we were just 
kind of loosely looking at the idea. My background, again, as I mentioned, was in marketing and merchandising. I was working a corporate job in Toronto, commuting from the Kawartha's every day. Fully intended to continue doing that. And, you know, what we started looking at was maybe starting the Sagra first. And just with a few, you know, we were looking at focusing on a few licensees, restaurants, resorts, golf courses, right around the Rice Lake area, uh, where we'd start to build the brand and product recognition. And then, you know, maybe down the road, make it a full-time career for myself and Graham. Did you open up in the facility that you're in in Baltimore right from the start? We actually spent about a year and a half looking for what I would say was, you know, my ideal or perfect spot right on Rice Lake. Um, you know, having such strong connections to the lake, we really wanted to be, you know, I think we had that, that ultimate dream of a place where, you know, people can vote to come and eat and drink and enjoy the product, you know, right on the water. So we actually spent about a year and a half trying to find that, that ideal spot, talked to lots of different folks, went down a couple of uh, rabbit holes that didn't quite pan out. And in the meantime, actually, Graham had started collecting some equipment, and we needed a place to store that. So we'd actually rented a storage unit here in Baltimore, just north of Coburg on County Road 45. And lo and behold, after our kind of second close call with a with a location on Rice Lake fell through, a spot here opened up, and it was actually the CrossFit gym folks were um, were moving on to a bigger location down in Coburg. So their 1,800 square foot three bay garage was coming available, and that would have been in July. 2018. We thought, you know, we're, this is a great spot to put down roots. You know, we're on County Road 45, lots of traffic every day. It's a great location. It's got, you know, the facility itself has everything that we need in terms of, of manufacturing location. Pre-COVID, 10,000 cars went um, went past the location here every day. You've been making the cider there for the last three years. So actually, first you have to get licensed. Okay. And before you can get licensed, you actually have to build and gather all your equipment and kind of put it all together. And then you apply to the federal government for an excise license to be able to manufacture the cider. They come out, they do an inspection, we have you know, a long chat about all things cider. And they say, yep, you can go ahead, you know, we feel that you've got everything in place to, to manufacture a product and it's going to be safe. And then you start making the product and then you have to apply to the Ontario government. Well, I was just about to say, to sell it. How, so the federal government's involved, why? Because isn't it alcohol a provincial jurisdiction? sale of alcohol, um, how and where and when you can sell alcohol is definitely a provincial jurisdiction. How and where and when you can produce it is federal. First, the federal government has to basically let you make it, and then you have to apply for approval to sell it in Ontario with a live sample. So you've gone through the entire process, set up your cidery, made your first batch, sent it off with a sample to for the government, for the LCBO to test it and make sure you know it's safe for consumption, et cetera. And then you're told yes or no, you're going to be allowed to sell this in the process. So once you get the go-ahead, how long does that process mm-hmm. take? I, I want to say we probably took a year and a half. It, it probably could have been a bit faster, a bit, slow, a bit longer for other folks, but uh, about a year and a half for us to go through both of the licensing processes. So you started that in 2018. So mm-hmm. it would have been just about the start of the pandemic when you started making this stuff? Yes, so we were just about to launch with a handful of licensees. We were just about to, you know, start taking our product out and introducing it to, you know, resorts, restaurants, golf courses in the Rice Lake immediate area. And that was planned for March of 2020. So you can imagine how that went when they were all just being shut down. You know, I've done a number of interviews and I cannot get over the number of businesses that were hit with timing that just was incredibly bad luck. So many businesses were just starting, just moving, just beginning, just bought. And it was all around March of 2020. Now that you're licensed by the federal government, you're licensed by the provincial government, 
<laughs> and you're starting to make cider on a regular basis. Are you using product from in and around Northumberland County? Yes. So we source all of our fresh pressed juice from Algoma Orchards over in Newcastle. Okay. 30 minutes door to door. They do all the pressing for us. They grow, they store, they press year round. So pretty much any given week, we can um, we can go and grab a new batch of cider and, and get it started. And how long does the process take from when you get the apples from Algoma Orchard to when you produce it and have it ready bottled and and ready to get out there and to be shipped out so we we can produce juice to can right now in about six to eight weeks Uh, that could be sped up typically we're letting the cider age a little bit longer than that we're trying to keep ahead of production particularly this year so we've got a little bit more in storage ready to be canned just sitting there nicely aging okay now i'm going to get into the weeds here march 2020 you guys are about to launch and and then the world comes to a crashing stop (laughs) Had you actually launched yet, or were you about to launch when that all happened? No, no, we had not. With the news that was happening in February, we were actually going to do our first canning run. I just said, you know, this is a little too iffy. There's a lot of unknowns happening right now. We certainly couldn't have imagined restaurants being shut down or, or you know, what, what further ensued there. But it just looked like it was such a, an unsettled time. We said, let's just give it a month. Um, the cider is much happier sitting in a tank. It can sit in cans for, you know, six months. But we just didn't want to take that step until we knew that we actually had a spot for it. You guys yeah. have invested the money for over a year and a half to get the approvals from both levels of government to be able to produce the product. And in that process, you had to be able to have all the money in place to actually make it so that it could be approved. And yeah. you're about to start selling it, and you really can't. I mean, we're paying rent month over month on our location. All these expenses absolutely are adding up. We're just looking at it going, wow, this wasn't the plan. But again, you know, we were both working full time. So, I mean, that was that was a blessing. And we just, you know, we'll just postpone it for the short term. We'll, we'll see what comes of it. And it may be something to, to explain as well. So cideries, you know, couldn't, can be producing like we are in a commercial area or they may be on a farm with acres of trees of their own to, to pick from. Traditionally, and pre-COVID, if we were going to have our own retail store, those are traditionally only allotted to um, what I would call farm gate cideries. So cideries that have five acres or more of planted fruit. It's a, it's a legacy provincial law. Um, it dates back to decades ago. It was meant to solve an issue that doesn't exist anymore and probably never really solved the issue it was intended to. But it's tied to grape growers and, and all kinds of other NAFTA implications, sure. apparently. We were, you know, we were literally going to distribute only. We were, you know, having a, our option to sell directly to consumer was never on our radar. Hence why we thought that we could do this well, you know, still working full time. With the pandemic and with everything, you know, changing the way it did, a lot of alcohol producers, cider makers in particular, had no way to distribute their product. You know, if we couldn't sell to restaurants that weren't open and golf courses weren't quite open yet, there was really no distribution avenue. My understanding is it's not easy to get into the LCBO either. Oh, no. no. (laughs) They've already said thank you, no thank you once to me. You know, grocery is, you know, it was definitely on our radar and it still is. But again, you know, grocery stores were were feeling, you know, the, the opposite end of, of the spectrum of, with COVID, and certainly we're not looking to meet with anybody new, you know, for new products. So that wasn't an option either at that point. So May 5th was a turning point for us. The provincial government, in one of their many um, pandemic relief measures, uh, allowed cideries without any acreage to temporarily open up retail stores. So again, there was still one more licensing process to make that happen, but they were going to exclude the, the five-acre requirement temporarily. So that changed things completely. How are we going to open a retail store? Well, I'm still working full-time, so we figured, okay, we can do this on weekends. We can make this work. We're going to try and bring people here on Saturdays and Sundays in and around my other work. So we, you know, we went through the licensing process, and we were all set to open uh, July 5th. 
took about two months. It was actually fairly quick and painless. And then three days before we open, I find out I'm getting restructured. In, so in, your, da- a, in your day, in my job. day job. That's right. <laughs> your, your, your job is changing <laughs> yes. at the same time that you're trying to open up this retail store. Yeah. So we're going to open up a retail store. We're going to, you know, we're looking at the option of farmer's markets because, again, that's another avenue that's been opened up to us as an extension of our retail store. So we're just trying to pull all that together, see how that's going to work, you know, in a, in a weekend format. I get noticed that I'm getting restructured and have about two months transition. So, I, you know, I'm going to work through October 1st. So now I'm also extra busy in my day job trying to wrap things up for our clients, et cetera. So and, you know, and whether a, you probably, wanted yeah. it this way or not, suddenly cider becomes your life. This is it. We're gonna we're gonna open in as big a way as we possibly can now. This is this is our plan. Now the flip side, however, was we were gonna launch in maybe six to eight licensees and grow the brand. We don't have enough cider to now run a whole summer full of, you know, retail store, farmers markets and restaurants. So we just pared it down. We said we're just gonna do the you know, the retail store and the farmers market. And, and we struggled, and we and we expected to. Um, you know, the product took off quite quickly. There was an appetite. Focus on local has certainly, you know, it's always been there, but it's, it's certainly seen a, a resurgence through COVID. So we struggled with inventory over the next few months. Did our best, made it through Christmas, ramped up our capacity over the over the winter, and had done had done a great job of you know keeping inventory in stock and adding licensees to our um, our distribution roster this year. So it's been quite a journey for you. It has. And I feel like we're still at the beginning. Are are there times where it just seems like a dream to you? I would say one of the biggest dreams, actually, is my beautiful drive from Melbrook to Baltimore every day through the rolling hills of Northumberland. It sure beats that commute to Toronto. You end up managing to get through a launch that doesn't happen and then an opportunity to open a store as a part-time gig that ends up becoming a forced full-time gig after you have to open it up when you had no time to do it anyway. How am I doing as far as summarizing this so far? You pretty much nailed it. Okay. Um, And then along with the retail store, um, you know, there's an expectation out there that you're going to have some brand merchandise. You know, fortunately, that's my background, um, and I got to dabble in a little bit of what I enjoyed. And that piece has absolutely taken off. You know, Rice Lake is a is a, is a well known area, near and dear to many hearts of people, both um, local as well as visitors every year. So not only do we have Rice Lake hard cider merchandise, but we've grown an, an extensive uh, assortment of just Rice Lake merchandise at the request of our customers. It's available, obviously, at the retail store. Mm-hmm. Is the Rice Lake hard cider merchandise and the actual cider itself are they available anywhere along Rice Lake itself? They sure are. So the uh, the merchandise we'll bring with us when we do some of our farmers markets on or around Rice Lake. We're in uh, twenty plus restaurants, bars, golf courses, and resorts. Uh, right around the lake includes Rhinos. Um, Muddy's Pit Barbecue up in Keene, Elmhurst Resort, Golden Beach Resort, and then any any you know numbers of dotted areas uh, between Melbourne, Port Hope, and Coburg as well. It's kind of our next move would be you know expanding into Peterborough, more of the Kawartha, into Durham region with the grocery. There's a there's an opportunity there for sure, um, and then east, you know, as far as Kingston and Ottawa. I think you know geographically that makes sense for us. So this has been quite a journey for you. It has. As you look forward and say, okay, I'm going to catch my breath, and once we get on the other side of this whole pandemic thing, we're going to start thinking about how we're going to be doing things. Have you ever given any consideration to what that might look like? Because nothing about what you've done up until this point has been textbook by any stretch. No, definitely not. So I think first and foremost, we're, we're optimistic 
that, you know, the, the five-acre rule, as we'll call it, is permanently eliminated. I think that's, that's really key for us to be able to maintain our, our retail store, our direct-to-consumer sales, our farmer's markets, our shipping across Ontario. All that would go away if that five-acre rule gets re-implemented. There's no decision on that yet, uh, but there's also no movement to repeal it. So we're just kind of status quo for indefinitely. Do you have a plan in place of what you're going to do in case it does get repealed? Yes, I mean, we'll go back to our original plan, which we're still moving forward with. So our next step, you know, we'll continue to grow the licensee base and then move into grocery. So there's, you know, in the area, maybe a dozen to 20 different grocery stores that are able to carry beer, wine and cider. So we do want to, you know, start to tap into that venue. Uh, It was always on the roadmap. It continues to be, and I think, you know, between the fall and next spring, you'll start to see us make some some inroads there. I'm just, I'm curious, Uh, there are grocery stores that sell it. There are also locations that have the LCBO and beer store license. Um, are they yes. allowed to, to take product that is outside of those things, or are they only allowed to sell beer store and LCBO licensed items? Yeah, so if we were selling craft beer, we could absolutely walk in and sell them our craft beer directly. Because we're selling craft cider, it's a different classification, and there is no mechanism to sell them directly. It's another one of those wacky laws that we'd like to see changed, but there's time so involved in making that happen. Craft the short answer beer, is no. Craft beer and craft cider have different rules. They do. So cider, um, and I guess because of how it's fermented, it, it's fruit fermented into an alcoholic product versus the whole brewing process of beer. They have totally different streams of legislation, both at the federal and the provincial levels. So we fall under the traditional wine laws. And there's been a lot of conjecture around creating a cider-specific stream or grouping us in with beer. There's lots of things that, you know, could come down the pipe down the road. We just don't know at this point. As you look forward and and we come out of the pandemic era, are there things that have been put in place that you can see keeping those rules going forward? Like they might actually be good for your business? Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at it and and people ask me, and my stance is I've only been open during the pandemic, so it's all I know. So at some point, I feel that my job might get a little bit easier when this when this kind of all lets up. But I mean, things like having sanitizer when you walk in the store. We're in a small store, so we basically limit our capacity to folks come together in the same vehicle. It's probably not a bad idea. It's almost like a personal shopping experience. So you pop in, you get what you need, and then the next group comes in. You know, those things kind of make sense for us. I'll be thrilled to take down the plastic plexi shield between me and my customers. But, you know, the retail store itself, monitoring capacity and and all those things, I I think some of these things are probably here to stay for, for the longer term. And probably not in a bad way. If there was an opportunity for you to do things differently, would you? Or would you go ahead and do it the same way? Oh, if we had known that we would have an opportunity to have our own retail store and, and you know and expand that out to farmers markets from, from the beginning, we, we definitely would have ramped up differently and planned differently. But just thrilled that, you know, we've we've had the flexibility to pivot, um, you know, the background and the, the skills that we do have to pivot as needed. So I think, you know, the trajectory we're on now, if we can if we can maintain that and continue to grow and expand um, outwards, that's fantastic. And if we have to pull back some and, and change with um, regulations, you know, we'll, we'll do that as well. It must be nice to, to sort of look forward and go, okay, let's try doing this in a normal business year now. Absolutely. <laughs> We're really looking forward to that. 2022, here we come. <laughs> so are you still looking at adding beer as a, as a possible adventure yeah, that you're it's doing? A, it, 
question. Um, you know, we're currently in an 1,800-square-foot commercial building here in Baltimore. The rate at which the cidery is growing and expanding, I'm not sure we have room for beer. So definitely, you know, it would be a, a larger expansion conversation. It, it's Graham's passion, so absolutely, you know, we want to explore it um, as much as possible. It's, it's probably going to be a, a bigger conversation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know exactly how they can hook up with Rice Lake Hard Cider. So our retail store is in Baltimore, just north of Coburg, 4741 County Road 45. We're open here Thursdays through Saturdays typically, although do adjust on a week-by-week basis and, and we post those updates. Our website is ricelakehardsider.ca and you can find us by the same handle, Rice Lake Hard Cider, on both Facebook and Instagram. I want to thank you for taking the time, Jana, for telling us what it's been like to not only start up, but change and learn new ways of doing things as you operate a brand new cider business here in Northumberland County during a pandemic. And I would like to invite the rest of Northumberland to focus on Rice Lake Hard Cider. That was Jenna Crawford, co-owner of Rice Lake Hard Cider, talking to Mark Cowan, host of Focus on Business Northumberland. You can hear a shorter version of this story on his regular show on this radio station, along with numerous similar features about businesses in the county. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.